Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and reading for our text, verse 8. Verse 8. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen, Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. And it is the words in the, in the middle of the verse there, because thou didst rely on the Lord. The message is to rely on the Lord. We have here an account of the kingship of Asa. In the previous chapter to the one that we read in chapter 14, we read of how the Ethiopians came up with a million, thousand, thousand and three hundred chariots and that Asa went against him. And at that time, in verse 11, chapter 14, we read of Asa's prayer. Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. And then we read how the Lord so wonderfully answered that prayer. He smote the Ethiopians before Asa, they fled, and there was a great victory that day. And we read in chapter 15 of the uh, great amount of spoil that they had uh, from uh, that battle. So this was the beginning of the reign of Asa. He did that which was good in the eyes of the Lord. And for the first ten years there was quiet and then there came uh, this multitude against him. And the Lord then sent by Azariah, the son of Oded, and he said how the Lord was with Asa and with his people. And here we have really, and I mentioned this as a illustration of the covenant that God had with Israel. And it is really summed up in verse 2 of chapter 15. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. That is the covenant that God had with Israel. It had two parts. On Israel's part, they were to serve the Lord, obey the Lord, and to cleave to him. And on the Lord's part, he would bless them, he would favour them, and he'd help them. If Israel did not keep their part, if they departed from the Lord, then the Lord would depart from them 
and he would deliver them up to their enemies. It was a covenant of works. And you see right through the history of Israel how God kept that covenant. He kept it here with, with Asa, as Asa uh, relied on the Lord, and uh, though a great multitude came against them, yet the Lord heard his prayer, and the Lord blessed them. And we'll see later on how the other side of the covenant worked as well. There are some in the Gospel day that would take the covenant that God had with Israel and apply it in a Gospel and in a saving sense in the Gospel day. But we are not to do that. We are under the covenant of grace and the idea that God would cast away his people is foreign to grace. It is not a covenant of works. God will chasten his people, but he will never, never forsake them. And we read just before our Lord's crucifixion how he said how that he would have gathered his people together as a hen gathers her chickens, but ye would not. It was under that same covenant of of works that they had rejected the Lord and it's a great blessing to us to realise that the blessings of grace and in the covenant of grace is not of works lest any man should boast we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we we must not muddle up those, those two covenants but we have principles that we can certainly learn from that covenant of works and from Israel's dealing with their God and God's dealings with them. We may rightly apply that, especially in what is before us, that we, in the day of grace, should rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ, not not with the thought, well, we rely upon him and then according to his side, he must do us good. But rather that we love the Lord, we serve him, we know him, we value him, we trust him and therefore rely upon him, not just with the thought as what Satan accused Job was, that Job only relied on the Lord because the Lord hedged him about and blessed him and gave him everything. And, jo and Satan said to the Lord that if he was to take away those things, then he would curse thee to thy face. But it proved not so. Job still served and loved the Lord. And it is with the people of God that they are brought to love the Lord and to serve him not from what they can get out of the Lord, but because they love him and because he has redeemed them and saved them and shed his precious blood for them. Well, here then in the passages that we read in chapter 15, especially 16, and where our text is, we have a very sad event in the latter years of Asa's reign. Now we are to remember that which is said at the end of chapter 15 concerning Asa. 
Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. What a reminder that the heart is the real thing. It is vital that we be right in our hearts in serving the Lord. And yet, nevertheless, there are some of the Lord's dear people that have done things, and especially in old age, that have grieved the people of God. They've been very sad. They haven't come to their old age and come to their end with real blessing and real joy. And Asa was, was one of those. We read that when his own brethren, Israel, came against them, it was going to be a civil war, a war between the ten tribes and Judah and the other tribes, that when that happened, then Asa, instead of relying upon the Lord, instead of going in prayer like he did when the Ethiopians came against him, then he went to Israel's enemy, Syria, and hired them, even took things out of the house of God to pay them off so that they would come and help him. They did help him. And he did win against his brethren. But then the Lord sent the seer, the prophet, to him to reprove him, to say to him that because he had relied uh, on man, on the enemies, then those enemies, Syria, was not in their hand. The Lord wouldn't deliver them into his hand. And... You know, Asa, he did not take that reproof kindly at all. In fact, he shut up the prophet in prison and oppressed some of the other people at the same time. He wouldn't, wouldn't listen. And then we read at the end of Asa's life, there he is diseased in his feet and he doesn't seem to have learned again to rely on the Lord. And he's going to physicians and there's no mention of prayer. Now we must be very clear. We are not just to pray but not act. There is an acting. But there is prayer. There's asking for help, for blessing, for strength. Is to be like those kings that followed after. We think of Jehoshaphat. How he relied on the Lord. Uh, how the Lord fought for them. They didn't have to fight in that battle against Moab and Mount Seir. His prayer was, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And then we have Hezekiah, when Sennacherib came, another five kings on, and we read of Hezekiah, he did, he strengthened the walls of Jerusalem, he strengthened his army, his host, the Lord weakened him and brought him sick unto death. But then the Lord heard his prayer and heard Isaiah's prayer and he delivered them and saved them and fought for them. We are to rightly use means, uh, but, uh, and in this case with Asa, he should have strengthened his own army and sought unto the Lord for help. Maybe it was... The reason why he didn't seek unto the Lord 
was because this was a war between brethren. He might have thought, well, how can I go to the Lord for help when those of my adversaries are also Israel? So I can't go. They will be going to the Lord for help. I will be going to the Lord for help. So I'm going to get help somewhere else. We don't know. Maybe that made the difference between when his first adversary was the Ethiopians, another nation, but now his adversary is his own people. We think about it in our own cases, how easy we could be like that. We could have someone against us that is not a church person, not a chapel person of the world. And we seek unto the Lord, we pray to him and he helps us, he delivers us. And then we have trouble between brethren, between churches, between individuals. And we think, well, I know what to do here. We've got to go to the courts and we'll take them to the world. We'll take them to unbelievers and we'll settle this matter in that way. Now the Apostle Paul, he warned about going before the law, before unbelievers, and not rather suffering wrong or dealing with things between believers and between the brethren. And he sorts in that way. And maybe again, he, he was thinking in this very same situation because this is what we have between brethren. Later on, of course, in Jehoshaphat's day, his sin was to, to often try to join with Israel, to join with Ahab and join with his son as if they were the same. But Israel at that time were walking Completely in idolatry, they were not the same as Judah. Ahab was not uh, trusting in the Lord as what Jehoshaphat was, and they shouldn't have joined together in that way. But it does give us a, a, a precedent and give us a direction and a warning as to where we go for help and who we rely on. And the word here then was brought to Asa and it is a reminder of what had happened when the Ethiopians came. Because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. It may be this morning we come together and there's those things that are before us, difficulties, trials, adversaries, whatever it is. And there's that temptation to rely upon man, to, to, to trust in man, and to not rely upon the Lord. We may have those that we're relying on to do things for us, to take us to appointment, to take us to places. We realise if they fail us, if they don't come at this set time, if they don't do what they've said they'll do, then we shall suffer great loss. It shall really impact upon us. And a temptation can be to be looking just to man, relying on him, keeping his promise and doing what they said they would do, instead of going to the Lord and laying it before the Lord and trusting in the Lord and relying upon the Lord
in his ordering, his providence. And of course, it extends to much more serious than that concerning our souls. Well, in looking at the word before us this morning, in relying on the Lord, to rely on the Lord, I want to look at three points. The first one, the Lord worthy to be relied on. And then secondly, the Lord proved to be relied on. I'm thinking there specifically of our own personal experience of relying on the Lord. And then thirdly, the Lord to be relied on now. But firstly, the Lord worthy to be relied on. Now, Asa would have known, but we know also, we would go back and think of the path of the Lord right from the very beginning. Right from, really, the covenant that he had with Adam. Because the Lord said to our first parents in their innocency, that they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And that was God's promise, that was God's sentence. And when Adam and Eve took of the fruit of that tree and ate of it, then God did exactly what he said he would do. Man died spiritually, immediately, separated from God and in due time every man that is born into the world they must return again to the dust we must die and really the presence of the great unbelief or inability of man to know God or to serve him in any way the natural hatred man has to God is a proof of that sentence that what God said he would do, he did. And every grave, every open grave, every one that dies is also a reminder if God says something, he will fulfill it, he will do it, he can be relied upon to keep his side of the bargain, you might say. We think then of Noah, the Lord said to Noah to build an ark. We read that Noah, by faith, he built an ark to the saving of his house. But Noah relied. That is what faith really is. It is a reliant on the Lord, a trust in the Lord. And though it was some 120 years in building, Noah preached and he built. And the ark was made and the flood came and the Lord did save Noah. The ark didn't fall to pieces. The Lord shut him in. And it proved sufficient. He was brought safely to the other side. They were saved. Delivered. And the Lord did that. Then the Lord has set forth a bow in the cloud. A sign that he will never destroy the world anymore. By waters of a flood. And we still see... To this day, the bow that the Lord sets in the cloud that he says he will look upon and the world has not 
in all these years, in all these 4,000 years, been destroyed by a flood again. Then we have the Lord's promises to Abraham. God promised him a son. He gave him a son. He promised him that his seed would be as the stars of heaven for multitude, that they should be a stranger in a strange land. They should be afflicted. They would be brought out in the fourth generation and that they would come to the land of Canaan and there they would dwell. The Lord brought all those things to pass. Over all those 430 years, the Lord brought that promise to pass. And in Asa's day, there they were in Canaan, in the promised land. When they were to be brought out of Egypt, the Lord sent Moses. He said he would bring them out. At first, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Nineteen great signs and they weren't released. But then when the blood was shed, they were released that same night. He brought them out with a strong hand. And so God brought his uh, promise to pass. He did what he said he would do. Then they came to the Red Sea. They thought they'd be destroyed then, hemmed in, the Egyptians behind them. But the Lord again opened a way. Again he was worthy to be relied upon to save them from the Egyptians and to bring them safe over. Then they had no food. Had God forgotten that? What about water in the wilderness? Had God forgotten that? But God gave them water out of the rock. And he gave them manna from heaven and he withheld not that manna from their mouth all that forty years in the wilderness. God knew what he would do. He provided. He could be relied upon not just a day but day after day, year after year. The promises that were given in the Garden of Eden concerning the coming of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. The Lord was to be relied upon. Our Lord did come. He did take on him flesh as our flesh, the seed of Abraham, a soul and a body like those that he was to redeem. The Redeemer did come to Zion, our Lord did walk upon this earth. He did lay down his life and take it again. These things were done and it is recorded again and again that the scripture might be fulfilled. In other words, what God said he would do, he did do. Our Lord said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father our Lord did what he said he would do and raised himself from the dead. In fact, the Father raised him. He raised himself and the Spirit quickened him. It is the act of a triune God, one God. He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. I would that this morning this first point, the Lord is worthy to be relied upon, that we might think on these things and meditate 
upon these things that are recorded in the word of God? Is there that recorded that the Lord cannot be trusted, cannot be relied upon, cannot be sought for, that he will not go and fulfil his word or go back on his word? Is it that he is proved to be one that is not to be trusted or the other way round, that he is worthy to be relied upon? That long cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11, they lived, they died by faith. In other words, they were relying on the promises. They saw them afar off. They embraced them. They confessed they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth, but they were relying on what the Lord had said he would do. And really, all those Old Testament saints, they died in faith that Christ would come, suffer, bleed and die, and put away their sin by the sacrifice of himself, which in the fullness of time he did. And that precious blood shed at Calvary is what put away Abel's sin and shall put away the sin of the last one that is called by God's grace. All God's dear people, their sins were laid upon Christ at Calvary. He knew them all. He loved them all. He suffered for them all. And they were all bound up together with him. They were all buried with him by baptism into death and risen again in newness of life. We may rely upon the Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy to be relied on. But secondly, the Lord proved to be relied on. It was very early in the reign of Asa that Asa proved the Lord was to be relied upon. It's a good thing where the Lord is pleased to give us personal experience of his faithfulness. And we see with Asa that it was very early. He gave him that grace. He give, gave him that help to trust in the Lord. And maybe in a way, it is in this way we, with Asa, this was the Ethiopian, such a great host you might have thought, well, who else could ever I hire even to fight against this mighty host? I've got no option but to go to the Lord. Like Jehoshaphat, neither know I what to do, know we what to do, but our eyes upon thee. Whereas maybe when it was against Israel, well we have an option. Syria might be strong enough to fight against them. But God had given them, given Asa a personal illustration of his reliability. And I believe we can look back. Many of the Lord's dear people can look back when the Lord first calls them by grace. When he first works in their heart. He gives them those things that they get a, a, like Peter says, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. A little 
taste of his power, of his grace, of his ability to answer prayer and to save. And we are to think upon these things. Asa should have done this. He should have looked back. And maybe this morning there's some of us here or listening online that should look back, that should not forget but remember where the Lord has answered our prayers, where he has appeared for us, where we have proved personally what those who have gone before us and are recorded in the word of God had proved as well the Lord is to be relied on. It's a blessed thing where we have then a personal experience but how to use that experience in a right way. Asa, he did not. He did not remember. You might say, well, you know, you're talking about some 30 or 20 years. We have the 6th and 30th, so 36 years. That's how long Asa had reigned. But we find that when the Ethiopians came and they came, you're looking at some 20, 26 years or so before. Are we then to think, well, it was 26 years before when the Lord helped us He might have changed. He might be different now. And anyway, the circumstances are different. Time is nothing with the Lord. Now it's said with Solomon, who in his latter days loved many strange women, that he did not remember the Lord who had appeared unto him twice. We might think, well, we want the Lord to appear unto us and bless us many, many times if we are to trust in him and to rely upon him. But if we have known the Lord once, or more than that, twice, that should be sufficient. With Asa here, just once, it should have been enough for him to remember 26 years later I need to go to this same God. I need to pray for the same help. Even though all this time has gone on. And as for equating two different situations, you see how it was with David when David came before Goliath. David doesn't reason and say, well, the Lord helped me and delivered me from the poor of the bear and the poor of the lion. But that's a completely different thing than going against this giant who's got an armour bearer and a sword and a spear. I, I, I can't think that I can trust or rely upon the Lord now because it's such a different situation. David didn't. He said, the God that delivered him out of the poor of the lion, poor of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And so the Lord did. And David was given much faith to believe the Lord would 
deliver and save them at that time. And he did, another instance. But David had proved personally, in small things first, or not so small really, a lion and a bear, but he proved that and that was laid up in store for him. And so, dear friends, we are not to pass over and forget where we have had, maybe in trials, maybe it is we've had sicknesses, illnesses, maybe it's been large moves in providence, maybe it's been in grace, in the Lord coming, in blessing and favouring our souls, delivering us from temptation, saving us, from sin, delivering us from adversaries, those things that the Lord has appeared for us in, providing us a job, providing us a wife, a husband, providing uh, that uh, place, a home, and where we shall live. We have those things that we personally uh, have proved where the Lord has given us a promise and we may have waited on the Lord for many years, but those promises have been fulfilled. He has supplied what we have sought of him, what he raised up an expectation that he would do. He has cared for us and we are to view these things, we are to look upon the landscape of our lives and to ask this, is the Lord, is the Lord worthy of us relying upon him? Have we not proved that he is to be relied upon? That we have been able to rely upon him? That we are not just observing other people as good thing where we can actually to see others relying on the Lord in our lifetime See our fathers and those of our loved ones. The Lord has appeared for them. It's very precious when we can say personally and that we could never say, because before the Lord there was a time I relied upon thee and that has let me down. No, things might not have gone the way that we thought they would go or that we wanted them to go, but in the end we have proved that what the Lord chose and what the Lord did was right and he knew better. And so it is a looking at what the Lord has done for us personally. Remember at the end of the 40 years of the children of Israel's wandering in the wilderness, it was said that thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God had led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to try thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would serve the Lord or no. And there was not a remembering of just part of the way or one year, but 40 years. Nothing was to be forgotten. All was for a purpose, a reason. Many things to remember that were very humbling Many things that no doubt they had to be ashamed of. And yet those things were to be remembered to prove this. Though we were faithless, though we were rebellious, though we forgot the Lord, the Lord was to be relied upon. He did fulfil his word. He is faithful. And this is what shall strengthen and help our hearts. 
when we are fearful, when we are afraid, to be lifted up out of self and unto the Lord and look unto the Lord that he is worthy to be relied upon and look to what his dealings with us have been and that he has been relied on and the Lord has been our God and our helper. But now I want to look then in the third place what is now, the Lord to be relied upon now. It's one thing to say the Lord is worthy to be relied on and that we have proved in the past that he was to be relied on. But how do we go on now? How do we walk now? And this is where poor Asa, he, he didn't walk, he didn't learn, and he went right down to the end of his days. No, pride is one of the worst things that we can have. You think, if only, if Asa had made this mistake, and we do make mistakes, but then if he'd have hearkened to the prophet, if he'd have humbled himself, if he'd have received the reproof, makes us to ask ourselves, are we too proud to receive reproof? Do we rise up against those who point out our faults, our errors? Do we dig ourselves into a deeper pit and instead of humbling ourselves and going in the way that we've been set in and directed in as being a right, a faithful, a good way. And the seer, the prophet, he was, he, he was very faithful with him. He told him that he'd done foolishly. But he did not humble himself before the Lord. And then when he had the diseases in his feet, he sought not to the Lord. No prayer, none of those beautiful prayers that he'd had before, ever came forth from his lips. And the Lord is to be relied on. Now I want to just consider on just a couple of heads. Firstly, in the way of grace. That must come first, really. Grace and providence, they work together. But you and I, we are not here forever. We must die and our souls must be right before God. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Romans chapter 10, he speaks about his own people that he longed for and he longed that they might be saved. He bore them witness. They had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, were going about to establish their own. They were relying upon their own works and that is how we are by nature. How many times we've spoken to those round about us. We've pointed them that it cannot be by works. That we are sinners. We're under condemnation. We're under the wrath of God. That the only way of salvation is to rely and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done at Calvary. But men, but women, they go back straight away to mentioning their own good works, their charities, their way, and, and it is just, is with us by nature. We are reliant upon ourselves. 
And it is a great mercy if we're delivered from that. By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All our righteousnesses, all our good works, are as filthy rags. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We cannot be saved by our own good works. It is only by relying on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done at Calvary. It is only what he has done shall have any merit, shall have any voice in heaven at all. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And he did lay it down and he took it again. And one great mark he has of his sheep is that they hear his voice and follow him. And this will be one of the voices that they hear is that they may rely upon that precious blood shed on Calvary. Going back to the children of Israel in Egypt and the type that we have there of the Passover when God said that in one night he would pass over their houses, all the houses in Egypt, and where there was no blood that was on the doorpost and lintel, then the firstborn of everyone would die. But the Lord told the children of Israel to slay the Passover lamb, to apply the blood to the lintels and the, the doorposts, and he gave this promise, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now you think of being a firstborn in one of those houses. You were relying upon that blood. You relied on the fact it was there. You relied that God would see it, that he wouldn't mistake it, and that he would keep his promise. How much it would mean to you. Well, the Passover lamb. When John Baptist came, he pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He is the Passover lamb. The Lord said to his disciples with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He was to suffer, bleed and die. And it is to rely, to shelter beneath that blood. Let the water and the blood, says the hymn writer, from thy riven side which flowed, be of sin the double cure, cleanse me from its guilt and its power. And so the Lord is relied on in the first place for salvation, to save our souls for what he has done at Calvary. He's relied on as well to keep our souls, to quicken our souls into life and maintain our souls in life. No man is able to keep alive his own soul. Anyone that has first been quickened, the Lord passing by them and bidding them live, causing them to hear his word, and never to think, well, from now on, I must rely on my own efforts, my own zeal, my own diligence to keep myself. Yes, in one sense, we should walk and pray and read and act 
as if our salvation did depend upon ourselves in all diligence, but we should be solely relying upon the Lord to keep our souls and to preserve us. And our prayers should always reflect that, that we are trusting alone in the Lord's keeping our souls. The Lord uses means, of course, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And faith cometh by hearing. And the Lord answers the prayers of his people that relying on him, many times will be, they'll come into the house of God. The Lord will direct his servants. The word will be read. Faith will be joined to that word. They'll go out. And they'll do things that they weren't going to do before or stop doing things that they were doing. They'll be reproved. That word will be a lamp to their feet, a light to their path. And they'll see it as the Lord being relied upon to give his word and to bless that word and to direct them in that word. In the way of grace, the Lord is to be relied upon alone. Let no other trust intrude when we think of when we die when our bodies return to the dust soul returns to God that gave it we rely on the Lord to come again receive him us unto himself we rely on the Lord to raise us up from the dead to present us faultless before his throne but then we come to providence those things in our lives going from one place to another place, our journeys, our going out, our coming in, our homes, our jobs, marriages, the church of God, all that we do, all that we walk in, all that comes against us as the adversaries here, who do we rely on? Who should we rely on? We should be relying upon the Lord, using the means but be much in prayer, much in prayer like Asa was when he was younger, coming before the Lord, crying unto the Lord his God, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. And may that be our resolve and our desire in relying upon the Lord. Tell him so in prayer. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. May the Lord grant us that rest. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The Lord is worthy to be relied on. Rely on the Lord. Amen.